Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, are you ready for war? Donald Trump and Mike Pence apparently are. Pence gave a speech talking about how we are locked and loaded. I guess Trump has updated. Last time around when Trump was tweeting about this, it was that he was cocked and loaded. Now he's locked and loaded. <laughs> he's, he's fitter figuring out the rhetoric. There's a bunch of issues that are pulling together here at the same time. The first is that the Constitution does not give the President of the United States the right to declare war. And the framers of the Constitution were very, very clear about that. That declaring war was a kingly power and they never wanted a president of the United States to have that power. They did not want the guy who was in charge of the military to be able to make a decision about whether or not to use the military. They had seen example after example after example in you know a thousand years of European history where the guy who ran the military was also the king, was also the guy who made decisions about using the military and made those decisions stupidly, inappropriately, and in ways that would you know, aggrandize or improve the wealth of himself, things like this. And they said, just no, ain't going to happen. So Article One of the Constitution is quite clear, quite explicit, that only Congress can make war. Only Congress can make those decisions. That's it only Congress. And yet, you know, you've got Donald Trump talking like, yeah, maybe we'll go to war. I mean, this should really concern us. And he's not just saying maybe we'll go to war. He's saying we're waiting to hear from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia as to who they believe was the cause of this attack and under what terms we would proceed. We? Trump says, this was during a press gaggle in the Oval Office, Saudi Arabia pays cash. We would certainly help them. They've been a great ally. They spent $400 billion in our country over the last number of years. $400 billion. That's a million and a half jobs. Well, first of all, they didn't spend $400 billion. And secondly, so what? We do not have a mutual defense treaty with Saudi Arabia. I mean, we do with Europe. That's what NATO is. NATO is a massive mutual defense. You know, if one of us is attacked... All of us are attacked and we respond. 
It's one of the reasons why Russia is so freaked out about NATO countries being on its border. These are absolute mutual defense treaties. But we don't have a treaty like that with Saudi Arabia. You know, there's people who are saying that this attack on Saudi oil fields is Saudi Arabia's 9-11, which is kind of rich given that I believe it was 17 of the 19 hijackers who attacked us on 9-11 were Saudis. But Donald Trump goes on and he says, after he says, uh, we would certainly help them. They spend $400 billion in our country. That's a million and a half jobs. And then he goes on, which again, like I said, it's, it's not true, but nonetheless, he's massively overstating how much money Saudi Arabia spends here. But then he goes on to say, this is something that's much different than other presidents would mention. Gee, you think? Like other presidents who actually took civics in high school, who understand that, you know, there's three branches of government, who understand how war goes and all these kind of things. He says, nonetheless, the Saudis would be very much involved, and that includes payment. So Trump wants to rent out our military. I mean, you know, if the Saudis want to hire a military, they should talk to Eric Prince. And they may well be doing so. But talking to the president of the United States? No, I don't think so. By the way, you know, because of fracking, by and large, the United States, we had this massive boom in fossil fuels. Uh, so much so that up to a couple of years ago, it was against the law for any company in the United States to export crude oil. You could export refined oil. You could export gasoline or diesel fuel or jet fuel or, you know, stuff like that, chemicals. But you could not export raw oil. Why? Because we'd always been an importer of oil. It's why the Arab oil embargo, both of them in the early 70s, early and mid 70s, so damaged our economy. We had 16% inflation because of that. Because when the oil was cut off, the price of oil just exploded because we couldn't produce enough oil here in the United States. So now we're largely because of fracking, which I'm not real happy about, but here's this is the simple reality of the situation. We are not only producing enough oil to meet all our needs, we're now exporting oil. You know, I believe it was in the first year of the Trump administration, I think it was about two and a half years ago, two years ago, Congress actually changed the law. This is when the Republicans controlled both the House and Senate and said, yeah, sure, you know. These big oil companies in the United States that are pumping oil, they can export it. Make your money, knock yourself out. So who buys Saudi Arabia's oil if we're not? I mean, we still are actually still buying some Saudi oil, but we don't need to, number one. Number two, who actually is buying the majority of Saudi oil? China, South Korea, and India. Japan is also a big purchaser. But most of it's going to China and India. Now, China and India are big countries. They have big militaries. China's is the fastest growing military in the world right now. If Saudi Arabia wants somebody to participate with them in a war on Iran, let them talk to China. This is not our fight. Saudi Arabia, they are not our friends. They don't share our values. I mean, they have crucified or beheaded over 100 people this year, including people who were arrested as children. They hang women from the ceiling of jail cells if they speak up against the oppression of women in Saudi Arabia, these feminist activists. The rights of women in Saudi Arabia are massively truncated. They're beheading people for pot. Osama bin Laden 
said that the reason he was going to attack America, this was two years before, this was in 1998 or 1999, New York Times reported on this, that Osama bin Laden had said that he was thinking of attacking the United States because the U.S. had an air base in Saudi Arabia. This is the legacy of Elder Bush's war. Elder Bush wanted to have a war in order to get himself reelected. He became president in 1980, 19, the election of 88, he became president in 89 when Reagan faded into Alzheimer's. But then he was up for re-election in 92 and he thought, hey, you know, I'll have a little war. War is always a good thing. And in order to have his little war in Iraq, and you know this whole thing was kind of set up, right? April Gillespie, I think her name was, the person in the State Department that Saddam Hussein came to and said, you know, hey, <laughs> They are slant drilling. The Kuwaitis are slant drilling underneath my country and stealing my oil. And I would like to attack them for that. I would like to reclaim them. After all, Kuwait used to be part of Iraq. It used to be like the 54th district or something like that. And April Gillespie was like, well, you know, it's not our, not our issue. And Saddam Hussein thought that was a green light. And boom, in he goes. And George Herbert Walker Bush says, oh boy, here's my little war. This would get me reelected. But in order to have that war, he had to have an Air Force base in Saudi Arabia that he could stage, you know, from which planes could fly and bomb the bejesus out of Baghdad. So they built an Air Force base. And this Air Force base is why Osama bin Laden told us he was going to attack us. Because it was on the holy soil of Saudi Arabia. There were men watching pornography and drinking alcohol and listening to music. There were women who were showing their elbows and driving cars. And so he was going to attack the United States. I don't think most Americans know why bin Laden attacked the United States. But he told us. Told us in advance. And he was a Saudi. And he was an adherent of Saudi Wahhabism, of the Wahhabi sect of Sunni Islam, which Saudi Arabia to this day is promoting all over the world, which contains the religious and philosophical underpinnings of both Al-Qaeda and ISIS. These are Sunni Wahhabist movements, or have derived from them. So here we have a country with whom we have no defense, mutual defense treaty, Saudi Arabia, whose people participated in a massive attack on the United States. And in response to that, we did not attack Saudi Arabia. We attacked Afghanistan and Iraq, Iraq, which had nothing to do with this, which turned Dick Cheney into a multi-multimillionaire. And I'm sure helped out George W. Bush and his family, too, and got George W. Bush reelected, which was his whole point that he told Mickey Herskowitz just before the election. But anyhow, here we have this situation where this country that we have no mutual defense treaty with may well be telling Donald Trump, he says, you know, we're going to wait to hear from Saudi Arabia what we should do. So this brutal prince who executes people arrested as children and dissidents and beheads them or crucifies them is going to tell us now, our Constitution says Congress tells us when we go to war and to whom we go to war against. But I think it's really important that right now we all be calling 
our members of Congress at 202-225-3121. You have two senators and one member of the House of Representatives. You know, unless you live in D.C. or Puerto Rico or... But you get the point. Call now and say, no, we don't want another war. What are your thoughts on this? How we should be responding to this? What we should do? Let me also give you some history on the Yemen conflict. Millions of people right now are on the brink of starvation. The largest cholera epidemic, the largest cholera outbreak in the world is happening right now in Yemen. Probably at least 10,000 human beings are dead right now as a consequence of the civil war in Yemen and Saudi Arabia's involvement in it. And aid agencies are trying to get food into Yemen and the Saudis are bombing the ports that you bring food into. All of this really started back in 2011 with the Arab Spring, when all these farmers were pushed off their land in the northern parts of Sudan, of Libya, you know, right across the region, essentially. Farmers pushed off their land, and as a result, you know, A, you've got more homeless people in the cities, and B, the price of wheat goes up. The price of wheat goes up, kid sets, lights himself on fire in Tunisia, and we're off to the races. So as the Arab Spring spread across northern Africa, and the Obama administration was encouraging this, and I don't mean that as a knock on them, we thought at the time, this is a good thing, this is a movement toward democracy, that's what it looked like. It's not how it turned out, but that's, how, that's what it looked like. What it actually was, was climate refugees. And we failed to recognize it for what it was. But anyhow, the president of Yemen was a guy named Ali Abdullah Saleh, S-A-L-E-H. And when the Arab Spring happened in Yemen, and the people rose up and said, this guy's corrupt, he needs to leave, he said, okay, cool, I'm out of here. And he handed the reins of government over to his number two guy, whose name was Abraduba Mansur Hadi. So Sali turns power over to Hadi. Now, Hadi was supposed to be a good guy who was going to make Yemen, you know, a nice stable country. But he couldn't do it. The corruption was insane. Yemen was suffering from the same climate refugee problem that Syria was, and Libya was, and Tunisia was. Food insecurity. And then on top of that, you had a bunch of military officers who were actually loyal to Saleh, the president who had to leave. I mean, he was part of his corruption was paying off his own military. So in 2014, some Shia Muslim Houthis said, you know, enough of this stuff. And they rose up. They said, you know, we don't like the number two guy either. You know, it was kind of an extension of the Arab Spring. We don't like Mr. Hadi. And they literally captured the capital, Sana'a, the capital of Yemen, which they still hold, by the way. And Mr. Hadi had to flee. He's outside the country. And so Saudi Arabia then says, oh, well, we can't have this. Yemen is going to end up under the control of Shia Muslims. And so they start bombing the crap out of Yemen. Saying, you know, we're going to bomb you Houthis, you rebels, until you surrender. Well, the Houthis haven't surrendered. 
22 and a half million people, three quarters of the population right now, are at risk of starvation in Yemen. 400,000 children under the age of five on the verge of death. And Saudi Arabia is continuing to bomb the crap out of them. They fight back and we're supposed to declare war? You're listening to Tom Hartman. So picture your face in the mirror. You see all those wrinkles around your eyes or crow's feet or under eye bags? Now, imagine they're gone. I'm not talking about some risky, expensive surgery. Just gone in minutes. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags in minutes. It's the edge you've been looking for. Don't believe it? I didn't either until I try it, and now I don't have to imagine anymore. My under eye bags, wrinkles, and crow's feet were gone in minutes. And the best part is Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody will know you're using it, unless you tell them. And the effects last for hours. Go to TryPlexiderm.com, T-R-Y, TryPlexiderm.com, and use my code TOM, that's T-H-O-M, for 50% off, plus an additional 10 bucks off. That's right, 50% off, plus an additional $10 off. Plexiderm is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get rid of your wrinkles, under-eye bags, and crow's feet today. Try, Visit TryPlexiderm.com and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, at checkout. That's TryPlexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292. But all of this reminds me of a warning that I wrote about at some length back in my book, Screwed, which I think it was, you know, back in 2008 or something like that, which was, you know, the war against the American middle class. And in that book, I went back to kind of the beginning, the beginning of this idea of representative democracy. And uh, quoting from Thomas Jefferson, who was writing about how in history, the three types of people who ruled nations came from one of three basic categories of people, and they collaborated always, these three categories of people, to create these dictatorships, essentially, these kingdoms. And those were theocrats, people who ruled because they said God gave them permission and told them that they should. Warlords, people who ruled because they were the most brutal, the most willing to use violence. And they're very rich, they're very wealthy. These were the three tyrannies that Jefferson identified in his early writings. And they're back. In fact, I would say that Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, encompasses literally all three of those. And then, of course, we have Donald Trump talking about Saudi Arabia on the campaign trail. This was back a while ago, before he was elected. Here he is. Saudi Arabia, and I get along great with all of them. They buy apartments from me, they spend 40 million, 50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much. Yeah, uh, Saudi Arabia, they get along, I get along fine with them. They buy apartments from me, 40 million, 50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? Let us not forget. Jesse in Seattle. Hey, Jesse, what's on your mind today? When we're talking about Saudi Arabia's crimes against the United States, bears mentioning murdering the American Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. And if you recall, Trump excused Mr. Bonesaw's MBS uh, assassination of, the, of our American resident by saying that MBS was a great ally and right. uh, suggesting that he was innocent of ordering the assassination. I think... Because he said he was. 
Yeah, <laughs> he said he was, exactly. Trump also refused to comply with the Magnitsky Act requirements that the administration present its findings on the Khashoggi case to Congress. So it should never be forgotten that Trump is, again, violating the law and continues right. to erode our moral standing in the world. Right, and running a cover-up. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Excellent point. Thank you very much, uh, Jesse. Nick in Hemet, California. Yeah, well, you know, what sent me off, man, was you started talking about the women with their elbows out of the windows of the cars. And that I went, oh, man, look, here's Tom making judgments on. No, this is uh, this was Osama bin Laden. He said it. He came right out and said it. He said these people are committing blasphemy on Saudi soil. It is a violation of the precepts of Islam, and Saudi Arabia is the holy keeper of Sunni Islam. It's a violation of that for women to show their elbows. Right, so what? That's their business. Well, it's not it, our it, business. no, it America. became our business when he attacked us on 9/11 because of that, Nick. What? It became our business when Bin Laden attacked the United States on 9/11, and he said that he attacked us. Who said he did that? Read it in the New York Times, Nick. This is this is not something that's controversial. It's not something that people are debating. It's it's very straightforward. Uh, Donald in Aurora, Illinois. Hey, Donald, what's up? They're trying to push this yet into another war, and I have a funny feeling it has to do with him becoming a president again. But what really gets me and gets my dander up is the fact that the American people aren't screaming out. My God, what are they? What, what is it going to take for them to learn what's going on? History yeah. shows exactly where we're headed, and they don't want to listen. I'm a veteran. My generation, 58,000 GIs got killed. My point is this. No, we shouldn't go to war with Saudi Arabia, and things should be said the, way, exactly the way you said. Yeah. Uh, things should be said exactly the way you said it on television, on all these network channels, and coming out of the mouths of our Democratic Party. Okay, thank you. Kathy in Valparaiso, Indiana. Hey, Kathy, what's up? What I'm upset about is, and what I can't figure out is why everybody else hasn't mentioned it, that John Bolton resigned a week ago today, and within the last week, Saudi Arabia's oil fields get bombed. Right. Doesn't anybody I'm, put the connection together? This, you know, it's like, this is ridiculous. Well, if you want a two plus two conspiracy theory, here's one for you. I'm not endorsing this conspiracy theory, but it's out there. I've seen people talking about it on network television, or at least on cable television. There are reports out of Saudi Arabia that for some months now, Mohammed bin Salman, Mr. Bonesaw, the, 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 the guy who runs Saudi Arabia, has been saying out loud that he wants to have an actual war. Like, you know, he's having a war with Yemen right now. He wants to have a real war with Iran. And that he thinks the United States will back him up and this will make him into a great leader and he can take down, you know, Shia Islam once and for all and all this kind of stuff. And we got lied into a couple of wars, right? right. The USS Maine led to the Spanish-American War. The, the Gulf of Tonkin led to the Vietnam War. Neither of those things were actual attacks on the United States. But, you know, false flag operations have a long history of being exploited as, as reasons to go to war. Hitler did it with the burning of the Reichstag, the parliament building. So there is a theory out there that Mohammed bin Salman, the Saudis, bombed their own oil facilities, specifically so they could blame right. it on the Iranians. As I said, I'm not endorsing that theory. I think it's, it's pretty thin stuff. But God only knows. I mean, this should not be our fight to you, Kathy. Right. But what I'm saying is 
we should have expected this to happen because of the way John Bolton left and the way Trump acted and reacted to it. I think he was trying to warn everybody, but nobody was paying attention. You think Bolton was trying to warn us that Trump wanted to have a war with Iran? I thought Bolton wanted to have a war with Iran, and Trump got rid of him because, he, in part, he didn't want to have that war, and in part because he discovered that Bolton was the guy who had leaked the story that Trump wanted to nuke the, the mm -hmm. hurricane. Right, right. It, it's just a mess. It's just a big old mess. I go back to when all this started in 2010, 2011 with Syria. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you, Kathy. I'm with you. But but okay. increasingly, you know, the, the frame, and Kathy, thank you for the call. Increasingly, the frame of the conversation that we're having is that somehow maybe Trump should make the decision to go to war, or maybe Trump shouldn't make the decision to go to war. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? That's the wrong frame. The frame should be Congress gets to make the decision to go to war. This isn't even Trump's choice. What the hell is he talking about up there saying, we're waiting for the king to tell us what to do? Really? Congress tells you what to do. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. And if you would like to share your thoughts with your member of Congress, 202-225-3121 gets you the congressional switchboard. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. I am just disgusted with this whole Saudi Arabia situation. But they spend tens of millions of dollars buying Donald Trump's condos, and they, they rented an entire floor of his hotel in D.C. last year. This whole situation is really revealing the, the capitalist class in America and their true interests which is money, 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 money. Trump is kind of like personification of all this uh, greed and corruption and just general, um, basically evilness. He's got that evil vibe to him, him and these Saudi royal family in general. There's just something pure evil about this regime in power. And I feel like calling Congress is pointless at this point because they're the ones funding these wars you had congress just vote like a couple weeks ago to vote in like a trillion dollar military budget almost all the democrats voted for it aoc by the way voted for it and it's like because it was part of uh, it also went to discretionary spending so it's like no matter what we do we got congress which isn't taking responsibility for these wars, even though the Constitution says that. You have a president who can take us to war whenever they feel like it, and you have a public that's just like so burnt out because we feel like we're just spectators on the side and our opinions don't matter at all because we have this deep state that's running everything since basically Truman set up the national security state during the Cold War. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd use the phrase deep state because that just plays into the paranoid fantasies of Fox watchers and, and Trumpies. But the because simple reality is that it's not so much the deep state, Jared, it's the defense industry. You've, you've got an industry that spends hundreds of millions of dollars a year bribing members of Congress. And the consequence of that bribery are these massive military budgets and these absolutely unnecessary wars that administration after administration jumps into enthusiastically. 
It's a military dictatorship. It's a military dictatorship by a different name and a different form. No, it's a corporate and dictatorship. Corporate military industrial. Well, the um, fact that these corporations are making stuff for the military is why we have the military piece of this. And oh. most of it isn't going to the soldiers. Most of this isn't going to the no. soldiers or the VA. You don't see any of this going to any of these bases or anything like that. No. In so fact, what well, little money there is for the soldiers and for the bases and for the schools, for the kids of soldiers and things like that, is being rerouted to Donald Trump's vanity wall. Ed in Los Angeles, listening on KPFK. Hey, Ed, what's up? We do not have any agreements with, with Saudi Arabia in terms of some kind of protection. Mutual defense, uh, yes. It has to be mentioned that uh, as early as 1932, when we discovered that oil was, was an important commodity, uh, Saudi Arabia just happened to have an abundance of it. And we couldn't actually see us living in a world where Saudi Arabia is the first or the number one producer of this commodity, and us not wanting it, and us not protecting it. So as far as you mentioning something about we lack any agreement to protect each other and so forth. Of course, Saudi Arabia cannot protect us. They can only protect us in one uh, regard, for instance. In 1973, when the Arabs which were with the Israelis and so forth, and oil prices had gone up and doubled and tripled to where it had affected the U.S. economy deeply, Saudi Arabia was the only one that was boosting production so they can keep prices low. And right, to help us out. And in all honesty, in 1991, when we went and helped out the Kuwaitis and so forth against the aggressions of Saddam Hussein was to protect the Kuwaitis, the Qataris, and the Saudis. There is definitely some kind of a convention between us and them to say, if we are attacked, you, you're not basically protecting our dictatorships. You are protecting assets that are useful to the Americans. This was a really big issue back when the United States was a net importer of oil. We are now a net exporter of oil. We could, we, you know, we can afford to say, hey, no, no problem, guys, go have a war, you know, fight among yourselves. It's not our battle. Uh, you know, I get, yeah, the, I get the history of it, and, and we have been the ones who have been supporting Wahhabism since the 1920s or 1930s. And that's been the Saudi royal family's thing. They made a deal with the devil, you know, back in the late, I, th I think it was the 1800s, which brought us al-Qaeda and which brought us ISIS and brought us 9-11 and everything else. But right now, I'm agreeing with you here on this, Ed, I guess we don't need to be involved in another war, period. We're talking about the possibility that U.S. troops, the young men and women from the United States, may end up dying to defend a murderous dictator in Saudi Arabia. Until last year, I never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. Louise convinced me there was one product that was worth sharing, and a year later, I'd have to say she's right. She says that once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was a whole lot easier, and she's keeping it off. And now my producer, Sean, is trying Ridge Zone, too. Sean says she really is liking Ridge Zone. Not hungry between meals, feels full longer, and she thinks she finally has her sweet tooth under control. Uh, she's no longer battling sugar cravings, although Louise has to stop bringing goodies into the studio in the morning like she did today. Anyhow, listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgizone a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to Ridgizone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Ridgizone.com. Promo code TOM. Ridgizone.com.
Patrick, Glen Cove, New York. I had heard something the other day, and I can't recall whether it could have been Randy Rhodes or, or maybe it was on Stephanie Miller. But anyway, when Bush was pressing for war, little Bush, when he was pressing for war, he had the powers to combat Islamic terrorism given to him. Now, the theory is is that that's never been revoked. It still is active. Right. This is, this is what, what you're talking about, Patrick, is the authorization to use military force, the AUMF, that was, that was given to George W. Bush right after 9-11. And it explicitly says that he can go after anybody who, is, who was involved in or participated or supported the 9-11 attacks. And that has been stretched and stretched and stretched to include country after country after country, including Iraq, which had absolutely nothing to do with anything. It's time to shut the AUMF down and go back to Congress having to declare war. I agree with you 100%, and the fear is that Trump will use this as his basis for he's combating terrorism, and leave me alone, this has been our problem, and I'm going to solve it and take care of it. And also, it appears as though Pompeo has been a long-time advocate of going after Iran. So I don't think Bolton had anything to do with this. I think it was uh, it's Pompeo and Trump hatching up their own little nonsense, Yeah, which is, which, which is not nonsense at all. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And Congress is the one that should have the power to do or say something about it. Thanks a lot for the call. Mary in Arlington, Texas. Hey, Mary, what's up? I'm older than most of y'all, and I'm remembering that we made a deal with Osama Bin Laden to protect him, and then he looked and saw that Kissinger was selling tanks to Russia on the oil line that was going to go all the way to the sea. Right, you're talking back in the 80s. Yes, I'm talking way back. Yeah. I'm talking this is when we were back. supporting him as part of the Mujahideen who were fighting against yes. the Soviets who were occupying yes. Afghanistan at the time. This was even before the breakup of the Soviet Union, yes. Yes, yes. Bin Laden was our guy. You're absolutely right, Mary. Well, and of course... I follow the political line pretty much, but he turned on us then because he was so upset with Kissinger. Yeah, this is the, the, the Charlie Wilson's war tells this story. And people don't realize what's going on. Yep. It's been going on for a long time between the Sunnis and the Shiites. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with you, and, and, and it literally goes back to the Reagan administration. And that's another reason why we should be so disgusted by this. Mary, thank you for the call and for pointing that out. Mark in Mineola, Texas. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind? I just had a little personal thing that happened years ago. A, a gentleman that George Bush was in the Texas Air National Guard. It's all in the book House of Bush, House of Side, but... Right. Uh, he arranged for the Bin Ladens to buy a ranch here in Texas that actually adjoined his ranch. In Crawford? We, no, in Liberty County in Texas. Oh, this was, was back before he was president? It was, when he was governor? It was, no, it was when he was president. He was, huh. you know, they flew him out of there after 9-11. Do you remember when only the Bin Ladens flew out of the country? Oh, I remember it vividly. Well, I just had some, some personal information. It was strange reading that book, and when they mentioned that man's name, I'm like, oh, gosh, I know that guy. And when we used to go down there, 
they literally would block off a county road, and we would say, oh, the Arabs are down there. We didn't know it was the Bin Laden family. Huh. But after the fact, we find out it's the Bin Laden family. Now, I'm not saying Osama Bin Laden, but Osama Bin Laden's family. Right. That they had bought the ranch next to the gentleman who was in the Air National Guard and was a big friend with George Bush. Oh, okay. And so it was just a strange thing when you're reading something and you're saying, oh, yeah, I know all about that. You know, it was yeah. just, I opened my eyes to this is a fact, you know. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, thank you, Mark, for reminding okay, us all of that. Thanks that's, for the show. That's, I really enjoy it. Thanks. I appreciate the call. Len in Woodmere, New York. We just have to look at everything that comes out of his mouth at this point in the context of, of somebody melting down. Even two years ago, three years ago, he wasn't even cognizant of half the things that were coming out of But what mouth. if he thinks that Saudi Arabia will pay for a bot army to defend him on Facebook and Twitter? What if he thinks that Saudi Arabia will fund hackers who will go after our election infrastructure? What if he thinks Saudi Arabia is going to funnel a bunch of money into his election campaign? Right. Well, it's not the like it would have to be directly into his pocket because he's got money coming from. Oh no, he's he's worried about re-election right now because if he doesn't get re-elected, he goes to jail. Today we're reading from Juan Cole's book, Muhammad, Prophet of Peace Amid the Clash of Empires. This is from the preface. The new world religion of Islam arose against the backdrop of a 7th century game of thrones between the Russian Empire and the Sasanian Empire of Iran that was fought with unparalleled savagery for nearly three decades. The imperial armies zigzagged bloodily across the Near East, the Fertile Crescent, Asia Minor, and the Balkans. Although the Quran makes it clear that the struggle between rival emperors, whom contemporaries called the Two Eyes of the Earth, formed an essential context for the mission of the Prophet Muhammad, historians have only recently attempted explorations of the latter's life and thought with this framework in mind. This book puts forward a reinterpretation of early Islam as a movement strongly inflected with values of peacemaking that was reacting against the slaughter of the decades-long war and attendant religious strife. From the Crusades to colonialism, conflicts between Christians and Muslims led to a concentration among writers of European heritage on war and Islam, leaving the dimensions of peace and cooperation neglected. Both peace and war are present in the Quran, just as they are in the Bible, and both will be analyzed below, but the focus here is on peace. This book studies the Quran in its historical context rather than trying to explain what Muslims believe about their scripture. The Quran insists on liberty of conscience and forbearance toward enemies, and it prohibits unprovoked aggressive warfare. It promises salvation to all righteous monotheists, and not just to followers of the Prophet Muhammad. That many outsiders and a not inconsiderable number of adherents have associated it with none of these values, and indeed have often interpreted it as upholding the converse, demonstrates how badly it has been understood. The misapprehensions came about for many reasons, including the imperial ideologies of the later Christian Byzantine and Muslim Abbasid empires, difficulties in interpreting the text, and a failure to read it against contemporary Roman and Iranian texts, a procedure that allows us to compare and contrast its values and concerns with those of others living in that era. 
The Iranian invasion of Roman territory from 603 forward threatened the independence of Western Arabia, where Muhammad was based. The Sasanian conquest of Jerusalem in 614 struck contemporaries as apocalyptic and provoked a mystical response from the prophet. A close reading of the Quran shows that a profound distress at the carnage of that age led Muhammad to spend the first half of his prophetic career, 610 to 622, imagining an alternative sort of society, one firmly grounded in practices of peace. The Quran repeatedly instructs believers to repel evil with good, pardon their persecutors, and wish peace on those who harassed them. These verses have, as their greater context, the outbreak of struggles among Christians, Jews, Zoroastrians, and a remnant of pagans who were partisans in the clash of empires raging around them. Muhammad in these years resembles much more the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount than is usually admitted. Scholars have increasingly tied the second half of Muhammad's career, 622 to 632, to the maneuverings of Rome and Iran, even suggesting that his move to Medina from his hometown of Mecca may have been connected to Roman diplomacy. I argue that Muslims in the time of the Prophet were explicitly allied with the Christian Emperor Heraclius, 610 to 641, and indeed that Muhammad saw his defensive battles against truculent pagans in places such as Badr and Uhud in West Arabia as protecting Roman churches in Transjordan and Syria to the north. It is likely these militant Arabian pagans had allied with the Iranian King of Kings. In short, Islam is, no less than Christianity, a Western religion that initially grew up in the Roman Empire. The prophet in those years of pagan attacks did not abandon his option for peace, but moved toward a doctrine of just war, similar to that of Cicero and late antique Christian thinkers. He repeatedly sued for peace with a bellicose Mecca, but when that failed, he organized Medina for self-defense in the face of a determined pagan foe. The Quran insists that aggressive warfare is wrong, and that if the enemy seeks an armistice, Muslims are bound to accept the entreaty. This disallowing of aggressive war and search for resolution, even in the midst of violent conflict, justifies the title prophet of peace, even if Muhammad was occasionally forced into a defensive campaign. The Quran contains a doctrine of just war, but not of holy war, and does not use the word jihad in that latter connotation. It views war as an unfortunate necessity when innocence and even the freedom of conscience are threatened. It strictly forbids vigilantism and equates premeditated killing of non-combatants with genocide, paraphrasing in this regard Jewish commentaries on the Bible in the Jerusalem Talmud. The Quran, read judiciously alongside later histories, suggests that during Muhammad's lifetime, Islam spread peacefully in the major cities of Western Arabia. The soft power of the Quran's spiritual message has typically been underestimated in most treatments of this period. The image of Muhammad and very early Islam that emerges from a careful reading on peace themes contradicts Western views. Muhammad by Juan CBD seems to be everywhere, but uh, the uh, journalists are figuring out and, and scientists, researchers are figuring out that some of it isn't even CBD. That's why you want to go with a reputable CBD company like New Leaf Naturals and New Leaf Naturals. CBD oil, of course, is not intoxicating. It doesn't get you high. It's, uh, so you get the benefits, the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. CBD is non-toxic and has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil in the market. 
100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown in the USA, and it's all made from hemp. So it's legal and pure and simple. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's N-U-Leafnaturals.com and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to N-U-Leafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Tom Hartman here with you. Remember this? This was Trump in a campaign rally back in 2016. The Arabian, I get along great with all of them. They buy apartments from me. They spend 40 million, 50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? I like them very much. Right. He loves Saudi Arabia. They give him lots and lots of money. Something is uh, rotten in Denmark, as they say, over the last hour. We went through the history of the Yemen war. We went through the history of Saudi Arabia, from the Wahhabists to Osama bin Laden, how, how George Bush, the elders, little war you know, on behalf of Kuwait with uh, Iraq, led to the creation of a U.S. Air Force base in Saudi Arabia, which is why Osama bin Laden struck us on 9-11. Something that I think most Americans, if you were to say, why did bin Laden hit us on 9-11? They say, well, he hated us. Well, wait a minute, he used to work for us. You know, he was part of the Mujahideen. They were trying to throw the uh, Soviets out of Afghanistan. We were funding him. Go back and watch the movie, Charlie Wilson's War. Read the book. Why did he suddenly start hating us? Because we built an Air Force base for George Bush Sr., for his little war in Iraq, his little 100-hour war, so that he could get himself reelected. It didn't quite work out, but that was his plan. Have a little war, get reelected, you know, like Reagan did with Grenada. LBJ thought it was a great idea. Let's have a little war in Vietnam. That didn't work out so well either. I don't know about Harry Truman in Korea. I don't know if he was trying to get himself reelected or not, but... That led right to Dwight Eisenhower saying, I'm, gonna, I'm the peace candidate. Vote for peace. Vote for Eisenhower, 1952. And here we are with Donald Trump saying, I love the Saudis. They give me money. You just heard him say that. And then he's saying, you know, Saudi Arabia, buys, a couple of days ago, he said, they want $400 million worth of stuff from us. Uh, no, it's nothing close to that. But they're still, you know, they're buying billions of, or excuse me, 400 billion. They're, they're buying billions of dollars worth of military from us, certainly. Not from us, though. Not from you and me. They're buying it from the billionaires in the defense industry. And the multimillionaires in the defense industry. Who are people who help prop up the political parties and the candidates and all this kind of stuff. So that's happening. And we'll continue the conversation about, you know, what should we do about this? I think, frankly, what we need to do is we need to take back, Congress needs to take back the power to make war. They need to repeal their authorization to use military force that was passed after 9-11 so that George W. Bush could invade Afghanistan where bin Laden had his little camp. And this was after Mullah Omar said, hey, we'll arrest him, turn him over to third party government. No problem. As long as he gets a fair trial, we're, we're good with that. And Bush said, no, I want to have a war with you. And Congress said, here you go, George. Have a war. And then Bush used that same AUMF to attack a country that had nothing to do with 9-11. Afghanistan only peripherally had anything to do with 9-11. 9-11, remember, was 17 Saudis, right? 
who was in the air the day after 9-11 when all the planes were grounded? The members of the bin Laden family from all over the United States and the Saudi royal family going back to Saudi Arabia. Gee, what a sweet thing. And we're supposed to fight a war with, you know, on behalf of Saudi Arabia, a country that we do not have a mutual defense treaty with. We do with, you know, European countries. That's NATO. We do with Israel. I mean, there's a number of countries we do with Japan. There's a bunch of countries, South Korea, with whom we have mutual defense treaties. Saudi Arabia is not one of them. And when the founders put this country together and the, the framers put the Constitution together, they were very clear about the fact that they did not want the guy who was in charge of running the military to be able to say how the military got used. That should be the branch of government that is closest to the people because the entire House of Representatives gets reelected every two years. And so the will of the people would be echoed, not through the president, but through the House of Representatives. And there would be a public debate about going to war. Article one of the Constitution says explicitly, only Congress can make war declare war. Now, we've had a bunch of wars that Congress didn't declare. The last war that Congress declared was World War II. And we need to go back to those values. We need to go back, I mean, values. We need to go back to the Constitution. This is just absolutely amazing, the strategies that are being used. Speaking of which, we are now an oil exporting country. Fracking produced a lot of this, and there's a, a lot of questions around how long fracked oil will last. But, of course, there's the pipeline oil coming from Canada and whatnot. But we are now an oil exporting country. We do not need to go to war on behalf of Saudi Arabia. We don't need their oil. China and India do. And, you know, maybe if they want to go to war with Iran and, and the word on the street, the word I'm hearing is that Mohammed bin Salman, Mr. Bonesaw, MBS, has actually been saying to people around him, you know, hey, you know, war with Iran wouldn't be a, such a bad idea. Their war with Yemen is not going well at all. I mean, they've killed tens of thousands of people, thousands of children, and they have literally millions perhaps as many as 10 million people who are on the verge of starvation. You've got the world's largest outbreak of cholera going on. All of this happening in Yemen right now because Saudi Arabia decided that they were going to intervene in a civil war because the people who were winning the civil war were Shia Muslims, not Sunni Muslims. And the Yemenis fought back and bombed Saudi Arabia. Now, whether they did it through with the help of or via Iran, who knows, or Iraq for that matter, which has now become a client state of Iran, although we still have soldiers there, and that's pretty weird. But George W. Bush's war in Iraq basically turned Iraq over to Iran. Wherever this came from, now Donald Trump is saying, well, you know, I'm waiting to hear from the king about what we will do. Or from the kingdom, he said, actually, from the prince. What happened to our Constitution? Dave in Marlborough, Massachusetts. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? You couldn't understand how the drones would go across the uh, sea without being monitored. Right. The one thing about drones is that they're mobile to launch. So you don't need to, you could launch them from someplace closer. 
you know, even in the country and pilot them not a far distance. In fact, they usually don't have that much fuel. So usually their range is actually not that much. So they could have been much closer and smuggled Well, that's them. the point. If they, were, if they were fired from Iran, they would have to travel about 200 miles. If they were fired from Yemen, they'd have to travel about 500 miles, which is probably outside the range of these drones. But if they were fired from Iran, they would have to pass right over the top of our fleet in the Gulf. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I'm very yeah. skeptical that that could happen. I agree. I agree. They, it must have been some someplace closer. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know, even if it's been within, smuggled within 200 miles, that's all it takes. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, Dave, thanks a yeah. lot for the call. Catherine in Burlington, Vermont. Hey, Catherine, what's on your mind today? Tulsi Gabbard uploaded a video on YouTube, and the title of it is Trump Offers to Pimp Out Our Military to His Saudi Masters. In it, she states very clearly that Trump has betrayed the military by doing that. And she makes it clear that the military has sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution. Right. Trump has said that if we go to war to help Saudi Arabia, we're going to charge them hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, this is a businessman's perspective on war, and it's wrong. It's irrational. It's frankly illegal. John in Portland. Hey, John, what's up? Trump's a deal maker, and here's the deal. He made the same deal with the Republican Party that Reagan made, which is, if you give me power, I'll take care of your religious agenda. Right. It's the same deal. Now the deal he's making with foreign leaders is, I'll help you get elected if you help me get elected. I think That's so. He's doing with Netanyahu. And, and the deal that he's already made if he loses the election, I bet, is that he's going to go to some country without an extradition treaty. And he's got arrangement. He's got it all worked out already. He'll live in a Trump Tower. He's not going to go to jail. Yeah, he's going to go live in some, like Moscow or some other country. And I bet he's got that deal all worked out. I suspect, John, that you are absolutely right. Thank you. Kenyatta in Los Angeles. Hey, Kenyatta, what's up? Nice article you just um, put up, by the way, over at opednews.com. That was fascinating. I can't believe you just gave me that kind of plug. I'm, 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 now I'm gobsmacked. Let me just say this to you. <laughs> You're a damn good writer. Come on. So what's on your mind? Listen, not all cowards are bullies, but all bullies are cowards. I agree. And Donald Trump is a coward. I'm studying the, the preamble is to say this, Tom. The United States is not, not a snowball's chance in perdition going to go to war with Iran. And let me briefly substantiate what I'm saying to you. First of all, the United States has not been in a conflict where there has been major carnage for Americans. I'm talking about body bags by the thousands right. and probably 40, 50 years. Yeah, since Vietnam, Americans, uh, Exactly. Americans are not familiar with what war really is. They think they can fight wars with drones and missiles. But let me tell you something. You start talking about a nation with Iran with formidable military assets. I'm talking about conventional military assets. Not only that, economic assets and asymmetric assets. Let me tell you something. You're talking about dead Americans by the thousands. Not only that, we're talking about the Strait of Hormuz, which may be already mined or could be mined. You're talking about the United States taking an economic hit. The American public does not have the stomach for this stuff, Tom. They wargamed this stuff a couple of years ago, Kenyatta, and I don't recall if it was pre or post Trump, but you know, three, four, five years ago in that neighborhood, in that window, maybe you remember better than I do, they actually wargamed this at the Pentagon and it was leaked that we lost the war. 
That we took They're, huge casualties, um, that they wiped out the, what is it, the huge, fifth fleet? Huge casualties. Yeah. We're talking huge casualties. The U.S. public are used to these Hollywood wars. This is not going to be Hollywood, Tom. Yeah. No, this I completely like, agree with you, Kenyatta, and I think it's unlikely that we're going to go to war. I think it's unlikely, you know, for, for a couple of reasons, the reasons that you just pointed out. Number one, we would probably lose it, or at least our casualties would be so high that there would be no public support for it. Number two, I don't think Donald Trump really wants to go to war. He campaigned on being anti-war president, whether he's going to keep that or not. But my concern is that he's just so erratic and unstable that particularly, I mean, you keep in mind, four or five different times back in 2012, he was tweeting about how, you know, Barack Obama isn't going to win re-election unless he goes to war, right? I mean, this is what this guy thinks. Wars get presidents re-elected. It's a Republican, you know, song and dance that goes way, way back. And if he feels that he is facing a serious legal threat, if he feels that there's a good chance he's going to lose the election, and therefore he and some members of the Trump crime family are going to go to jail, all bets are off. Well, I'll tell you what, Tom, I think that's very unlikely. But if that happens, let me tell you something. The American public is in for something it hasn't seen in half a century. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. And maybe even something we haven't seen in uh, 75 years, you know, since World War II. I'm with you. Yep. Kenyatta, thank you. And, and keep up the great writing over there at opednews.com. You're listening to Tom Hartman. So let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's up in the world today. On the line with us is uh, Doug Christian, and this report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Alan Ratner's book. Doug, what's going on in the world today? Well, very interestingly enough, Trump administration is floating the idea of background checks to the Senate GOP. For instance, Republican Whip John Thune from South Dakota said there are some ideas floating around different members of the administration that are coming up with. And at this point, it's probably too early to say whether or not GOP would be supported. But Thune said our members are going to proceed with caution, very skeptical of some of the ideas that have been put out there in the past. And I think they're willing to listen. The weird thing about this is that, of course, the uh, Republicans have been against background checks or any kind of gun control. But the thing is, is that they're looking at the polling and it says pretty clearly that uh, Republicans are behind the populace on this. And so it may very well be that they're backed into a corner, that they have to do something. Who knows? No, I think that what has happened is that just like with tobacco in the late 90s, when we learned that the tobacco industry had been lying to us and that they had, you know, just basically nakedly bought a bunch of members of Congress, including Mike Pence, who was writing op-eds about how tobacco doesn't cause cancer. There was such a backlash to that. You know, the public opinion public was so horrified by that that members of Congress who had been defending tobacco their whole entire careers suddenly started backing away. And I think the exact same thing is happening with guns right now. I think so, too. And so it's a very interesting inflection moment right now. Yeah. Right now, of course, we're talking in D.C. about the uh, Pelosi-Nadler impeachment schism, because clearly Nancy Pelosi does not want to move forward with impeachment. And yet Jerry Nadler is saying, oh, yeah, we do. And these two have worked closely together for years, but they definitely seem to be right now pulling apart in their own camps as to how to proceed with this. As Speaker Pelosi 
clearly articulated the reason for her reluctance? Is it just that she thinks that it's not going to be of a political advantage or does she have a constitutional or a moral concern? I mean, why, why is she opposed to impeachment? She's a political animal. I mean, her father was Mayor D'Alessandro of Baltimore. She grew up understanding how to survive in politics. Right. And she sees what happened to the GOP when they pushed impeachment against Bill Clinton. Yeah, but this and, isn't Bill Clinton. Uh, this is more like Richard Nixon. And look at what happened when the Democrats prosecuted Richard Nixon. They held the House and Senate for the better part of the next 30 years. That's exactly right. They really did. There's a lot of speculation as to why. Nobody that I know knows the answer to that. Yeah. But she is clearly not pushing to go forward with impeachment. Very interesting. Okay, what else is up? Yeah. And also we have the Iran sanctions. What's going to happen with Iran? Right now, of course, there were these bombings of Saudi oil facilities. It was initially the Houthis actually took credit for the bombing at first. They said they sent in 10 drones, but spy satellite images showed that, in fact, there had been 17 different strikes. So 17 doesn't equal 10. And these strikes were very precise. They actually looked like missile strikes, not just kind of random drone strikes, right. which indicates a more sophisticated nation state doing this, which, of course, indicates Iran. The thing is, is that there are factions in Iran that would, in fact, like to push for conflict with Occidental nations. But there are factions within Iran that don't. And so they're different Irans that we're dealing right. with. Yeah, and, I get and that. Doug, I was reading in the Financial Times yesterday afternoon that China makes weaponized drones and small missiles that very much like what could have been used in the attacks in Saudi Arabia. And that a couple of years ago, China started aggressively selling this kind of weaponry into the Middle East. And there's some speculation that these were actually Chinese weapons, not Iranian weapons. Have you heard anything about that? I had. And the thing is, is that that could very well be the case. Look, drones are now a form of weaponry. And no doubt, various manufacturers are going to get into that. Yeah. And China is one of the major manufacturers of drones. They're, uh, they're Apparently the second largest in the world. UKI. Yeah. And so the question is, did the Houthis buy some from them? and use them, or was it some other group, you know, uh, or was it Iran? I don't see why Iran would do this right when the French were on the verge of giving them $15 billion. I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense for a certain segment of Iran to do this, yeah. definitely. Yeah, there you go. Doug Christian with Talk Media News. Thanks, Doug. You bet. Great talking with you. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. It's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is a fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for listeners to our podcast here. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, to try it free. Blue Chew, the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. 